You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and after an insane. UFC 278 weekend. I could not imagine a better person to speak to right now than a guy who was sitting cage side to watch it all unfold. Of course, he is also one of the top welterweights in the world, making his return to action in October and a frequent co-host on this podcast. He's got his own podcast. I say it's second to this one, but you know, it probably is better. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, I am always happy to speak to Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, how are you, my friend? Good, my brother. Glad to be back on the show. Uh, Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. First off, let me let me talk about the elephant in the room before we talk about anything else. Because I saw you cage side, we got to you know catch a glimpse of you. Love the T-shirt, but you're wearing the sunglasses inside, Bilal. Come on now, are you going full rock star on me here? <laughs> no, actually, uh, it was one of those things. I heard Tony Ferguson is coming up to 170, so I just want to <laughs> remind him, let him know that 170 already has a sunglass guy. So I just want to let him know, like, bro. I'm the sunglass guy at 170. I'll come up to welterweight thinking that you're you're gonna come in and take my spot. Uh, that's hilarious. I did like. Tell me about the t-shirt. I love the t-shirt. Yeah, you know, I, I went out there. I was like, you know, bro, you know, I I gotta go out there. Anytime I do something, I want to make a statement. Like, I mean, I try to do it at the International Fight Week, trying to get me and uh, Kamzai going. Uh, obviously, that one didn't work. But for this one, I'm like, I'm going out there. It's a welterweight fight. I really was gonna go out there just for my bro, uh, my brother uh, Jared Gordon. And then I realized, oh, wait, dang, that's the welterweight championship fight, too. So I'm like, if I'm going to sit front row, uh, I want to get my notice. I want to get my name seen. I want Dana White to be like, all right, maybe he is next. Uh, Obviously, we got a big fight ahead of us against Sean Brady. But after that, uh, I think there's no denying me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Bilal, it was a crazy weekend. You were cage side for it. Of course, this is your division. Um Boy, I tell you what, what a shocking end to that fight. I mean, credit to Kamar Usman, what a legend he is, an incredible champion, winning the fight. And then Leon Edwards, you know, credit to Leon Edwards, pulling off the the stunning comeback less than a minute ago. He lands the head kick. I'll be honest, I was doing the recap for MMA fighting, and I was pretty much just like, I had already put the nail in the coffin. Like, I was already just like typing out Kamaru's coronation as champion, and then like literally out of the corner of my eye, I see the knockout. Like, that's how sure I was that the fight was over. And then out of nowhere, there's the head kick. Now, you were there. I mean, can you even explain to me the shock of that moment actually unfolding in front of you? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was a... you know, you're watching uh, the fight, you're watching how it's playing out. And it's playing out for the most part of how I thought it would. I thought Kamaru would use a lot of his wrestling. It would go back to the, the first fight's game plan. And I think that he was pretty much dominating it. Uh, Leon had his moment in the first round. But after that, it looked like, honestly, Leon was breaking. Mentally, he, his head was down. He wasn't really throwing any fire at him the rounds two to four. I, I felt like he was giving up on himself. Even in between rounds, I'm looking at his corner uh, just to see what his body language is. And his body language was head down. He looked depressed. He looked like, dang, I lost my shot. And I'm sitting there, man, it's the fifth round. And I'm like, me and my brother are talking. I'm like, bro, at what point are you just going to let it all out? Are you just going to let loose? Because you just have to keep throwing. There's uh, the fifth round. Even like you saw a lot in the Rockhold fight. Rockhold was dead tired, but then he'll have his moments where he just throws bombs. And I was like, Leon didn't have none of that at all. 
And I was like, man, this bro just wasted. It took him this long to get this uh, shot, and he just gave up. And then all of a sudden, that kick comes, and I'm like, oh, my God. For me, like, you have millions of people saying, oh, that's a lucky kick, yeah, yada, yada, yada. But it's it's one of the kicks that he practices. You can tell he trains a, a kick. For him to say, oh, I, I knew that kick was going to land, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't. Like, it, there wasn't, like, chaos, and then he threw the kick. It was just Kamaro, I think, just – Took his uh, foot off the gas for one second. And in this sport, all it takes is one punch, one kick, one elbow to land, and your night can be ended that easily. And like you said, it, that's what you love about MMA. That's what you love about the sport because you have to stay on your toes until that final bell rings. You have to stay disciplined with all aspects of the game, all defenses. Even this uh, coach going back rewatching re it, he's telling him in the corner in the fifth round, don't do anything stupid. Don't let anything happen. Don't mess up. And like it, it's not on Usman where it was like he got cocky or something like that. It was just literally the kick landed perfectly spot. And for all the bad luck that Leon had has, he finally got some good luck where it like landed perfectly. Yeah, and and to me, and you you made a great point there. And I I hate that people try to diminish the win by saying it was lucky. There was nothing lucky about. It. There's no such thing as a lucky punch. You threw a kick. He yeah. meant to land it, and he set it up. Like I said, it wasn't like you said it was a crazy exchange, and he threw like some spinning thing, just hoping it would land. It wasn't that. Like he set up the combination, and 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 Kamaru, you know, ducked his head, and he, he went into the head kick. I mean, again, credit to Leon Edwards for actually doing that and setting it up and pulling it off. I, I hate the idea there's this, like, lucky kick or a fluke. There's no fluke. He threw a head kick meaning to land. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Like, you, when you throw a strike, you, you, you're trying to knock everybody out. Like, no matter who you are, what you do, the, the point is to finish the fight with all strikes, and that's what you're trying to do. And I've been in the cage with Leon. He's throwing that kick at you, and he disguises it with the same side. Usually uh, you don't notice it because guys are throwing punch, left hand, left kick right hand, right kick. And so many people are used to, all right, he throws left and right, left and right, left and right. But when you throw the same side punch, same side kick, a lot of guys slip right into it. And kind of like what John Jones did to DC, where he slipped right into it. Same way with this one, Usman slipped right into it. So it just added that extra um, extra power into it because Usman leaned right into it. And it's like you said, it's not one of those, oh man, amazing, crazy, spinning back fist knockout as Usman was rushing in. Usman was walking forward, plotting forward like he was doing the whole fight and just didn't see the kick behind it. He disguised it very well. Yeah, it was shocking, though, because Leon Edwards is not a guy known for one-shot knockout power. He's never built his reputation on that. And again, all it takes is one. And Kamar Usman has shown an incredible chin. We've seen him get hit, and he doesn't typically go down. I mean, it's again, it's a lot, a lot of combination of factors of why that was such a shocking result because again, you know, Kamaro's up big, you know, he's pretty much, you know, and I don't think he was coasting. I don't think any of that. I do think exhaustion was hitting both guys that, uh, that elevation. I mean, good. I joked on Saturday night. I said, first thing first, never going to elevation again, because some of the fights like you could tell, like, it's just like Jose Aldo's another one. Like Jose Aldo's not a guy. He's been in so many five round fights and you can tell by the second round, like even in a, in a, even in a fight where there wasn't a ton happening, they were gassing. Like, these guys were gassing. I mean, it was a real deal. And I think that fifth round, I think you saw a little bit of that in Kamara. Like, he had been pushing the pace, and he trains at altitude. But I think I saw in that fifth round, like, it was hitting him, too. Yeah, exactly. I think that altitude played a huge part for a lot of the fights. And for Usman's fight, it was the – Usman was doing a lot of work, where it was a great striking on the feet and then shooting in. And then 
it was just kept doing it every single round. You had a lot of fans booing and things like that, but I thought there was a lot of action on the feet with Usman's end. When he was throwing the feet, it was doing enough to get Leon's hands up and then it'll change levels and control them on the ground for the most part. Had some really good ground to pound. And it wasn't Luke Rockhold tiredness where Usman's hands are on his knees, but, you know, when you're, when you're in a game of this where you have to keep your hands up at all times, one little inch lower – uh, from fatigue, and that's what ended his night. I think. I don't. I think that uh, it played a big factor in the with Leon, where Leon, you could just tell that he was tired. He was breaking. Uh, for Usman, he always has great cardio. His he has great movement, everything for the most. And the fact that he was dominating the fight, I don't think he was that tired. I just think it was like, all right, final minute, we got this, game's over. I think a lot of a lot of it too had to play with the fans booing, because when Usman did have him down within, I think a minute left or something like that, or had him against the cage and the fans started booing. And I think that he wanted to probably end with a flurry to try to get some cheers out of them uh, when he should have just probably played it safe and just held him there and easy coast to victory. But Leon really wasn't showing him anything. Like he wasn't showing a dog in him. He wasn't showing like a man. I mean, Amanda Nunez, Juliana Pena, Pena was going until the end. Pena was throwing up submissions, throwing anything up. Leon, he just looked like he gave up on himself in that fourth round, fifth round, beginning of the fifth round. And if I'm Moose, I'm thinking, oh, this guy's breaking. Let me just get one last flurry on him. He's definitely going to break. Yeah. Now, now, Bilal, I know you in no way, shape, or form are, are a hater. You're going to go out and, you know, you will credit Leon Edwards for getting the win, as we all should, absolutely. But on a personal note, like, is there a little bit of bittersweet, like, feeling here? Because, you know, you had the fight with Leon. We talked directly after that fight, I think, like, two days later, you know, you wanted the rematch. We felt like that was the fight that made sense. It was an unfortunate ending. We know it never happened. Now you have, you know, climbed your way into where you're in that top three, four in the world. And like, you now Leon's champ. Like, is there any bitter, like, not that you, not that you're trying to take away from his victory in any way, shape or form. I don't want to make it sound like that, but it was there a little bit of bittersweet feeling there. Like, man, like that could have been me in there because if you, we don't know how that, we never saw the result of you and Leon. And you said something on Saturday night, you said unfinished business. It's true. You never got, you had one round with him. And like for anyone that said you were, you lost that round. Well, Kamara lost the first round to Leon and then came back and dominated for So that whole, like you lost one round thing is such a joke, but like, was there a little bit of bittersweet feeling like seeing, and again, not hating on Leon. Like I'm sure, you know, deep down inside, you're like, good for him. You know, he had an incredible victory, but that could have been you. You know what I mean? Like you never got the chance to actually run it back with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a lot of people, too, saying, oh, you got dominated. Like, when I put Unfinished Business, you had the comments, like, oh, he was dominating you first round. I'm like, bro, well, he mounted Usman the first round. He took Usman's back. And then Usman dominated him for rounds two to four and a half. And then Leon had that one strike to knock him out. I'm like, this is MMA. People are – fans are dumb. They don't know what it is to be in there. They don't know what – even for Leon, he can't even use that excuse no more. So, uh, bittersweetness comes from – I wanted to be the one to stop Usman. He was a pound front guy. He was a guy that nobody thought that could beat him. I saw my ways to beat him. I saw my avenues to beat him. And I wanted to be the guy that puts the end to his run. Also, you know, like you said, I see myself kind of like in the same boat where Leon was, where, you know, you had this long winning streak. You know, everybody's, you know, not giving you any credit for anything. So we're, we were kind of like in the same path. To, to get to that title shot. It's going to be, it's a long road for him. It's going to be a long road for me. So like, you're happy for a guy that, all right, well, I see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It may have took that long, but he finally got the title. Um, but I, I'm not annoyed, uh, kind of like 
just want to, there's anxiety of like what's going to happen next. Cause Usman was very active champion. He's a guy that was willing to fight um, three times a year. Leon, a guy that fights one time a year. Now that he's champion, it took him this long to get here. I just had this man, this gut feeling that he's going to drag this, drag this out. He's going to sit there, especially the way the fight was going. I don't think he's going to try to rush into a rematch with Usman or any of the, the guys that should be next, where, whether it's me, uh, Kamza, Kobe, Gilbert. Like, we all had that style of, all right, we'll strike you and take you down. And the way that Usman was doing it so easily to him, I think he's going to avoid any of those fights. And his first title defense, I think he's going to try to push uh, a Masvidal narrative of we got unfinished business with Masvidal, uh, three, three, what's called it's in a soda, uh, I need to get that one back. He's going to try to create that narrative. And if you're the UFC, you're like, well, Masvidal is the biggest star in the UFC next to Conor McGregor. So, well, all right, there's a story there. Let me try to, let's try to book that Masvidal versus Leon fight in London or something like that, because they know it'll sell pay-per-views. And for them, it's all about money. Uh, the UFC wanted that big fight with Kamaro and Kamzat uh, because Kamaro had that untouchableness to him and Kamzat has that untouchableness to him. They just lost that. So, I feel like they're going to try to substitute that with the the bad blood between Leon and Masvidal. And I just have that bad feeling, man. It's going to happen like that. And Leon's going to be one of those guys that doesn't fight or is going to avoid a lot of fights. And there may probably be interim title fights. The downside is, is that, in, and I think you probably agree, Bilal, the reality is it should be Camaro and, and Leon again. And I know that's kind of breaks your heart because you're a guy who, you know, in, in theory, you should be one win away from a title shot. We all know that. Going out there and doing what you did to Vicente Luque and then taking a really tough fight against the guy, Sean Brady, undefeated guy. Guy, by the way, in all honesty, I think Sean Brady deserves far more hype than he's receiving in terms of like what he's done. I actually said this when... Hamza was coming in. I said, why are we not talking about Sean Brady more? Because I think he's done more than Hamza at this point, but that we'll come back to that in a second, but it's heartbreaking for you because you should have been October win, extend your winning streak title shot. That should have been the narrative this bill. Unfortunately, now we're looking like it should be Camaro and Leon again. Like Camaro's done enough to, to, or to, I don't, I'm not a big fan of automatic rematches. I'm really not, but I think this is one case where it's warranted. He was a long-reigning champion. He has a win over Leon, and he was winning the fight. He was winning handily. Even in that fifth round, he was winning, and he just got caught. Uh, again, he got caught with a great head kick, but that should be next. Am I wrong? No, yeah, exactly. Like, for me, I like I understand it, and he definitely needs the next fight. Like, that should be – there should be nothing else but Usman next. Like, he learned it. He was in the pound-for-pound talk. He was in the GOAT talk. And you gave same way you gave Amanda Nunez her, her rematch automatically. Like I think Usman deserves the rematch for sure. But if I'm Leon and I'm I'm just trying to think of the way Leon thinks, and the same way that he didn't give me my rematch because he did, oh he didn't earn it. He's probably gonna play that narrative of well I finished him, blah blah blah, and uh, you know I want to fight Masvidal first in London, and I think that they're gonna try to push that way. That's just the way that I think he's going to go. If I'm UFC, if I'm Dana White, I think that Usman earned it. He deserves it. I don't think no one should get it next but Usman. Uh, and I, for me, like I, I, I hate to say that because like I obviously I want to be next when I walk through uh, uh, Sean Brady, and I think that I've earned it too. But like I understand that Usman should be next before me or before anybody else. But I'm, I tell you, man, I just have this bad feeling it's going to end up being the whole. Well, Masvidal and him had this big
big history, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's going to be that thing. Somebody brought it up to me after the fight. And I said, I said on Twitter, it's like, I like, I don't have anything against Jorge Masvidal. I like Jorge action. Just interviewed him a few weeks ago. I've always liked Jorge, but he's on, you know, three fight losing streak, you know, got dominated, you know, pretty badly by Colby got dominated, you know, knocked out by Camaro. And I said, I just can't see a world where they give him a title shot. And somebody reminded me, they said, remember when Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockhold, he got Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson had not earned a title shot. Dan Henderson was not the number one guy in the division, but Dan Henderson had that knockout over Bisping and Bisping wanted it back. Now, I'm, you know, I'm for as a, as a guy who loves Michael Bisping, I, you will not find a bigger Michael Bisping guy in the world than me. I was glad to see him be able to get that fight back. But in terms of where it made sense, when you had guys like Robert Whitaker and other guys out there, it didn't make any natural sense that Dan Henderson got the title shot. When somebody said that to me, I was like, you know what? They might do it. They might do the Masvidal fight. And listen, I, it's not, I get it from Leon's perspective. It's let's be honest. It's an easier fight than going through Camaro again. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's, per, there is a person, you know, he did get, you know, he had to hear for years, that whole three piece in the soda thing. Yeah. He still hears that every day. So I'm sure there's part of wants it back. But when you say that, I'm like, no way, but then you're right. I, it, it could happen. I, it, it, there's a world where I could absolutely see them do, it, especially if maybe Camaro doesn't come back as quickly. You know, Camaro unfortunately had that hand injury going into the fight. They're going back to London, I think, in March. Is all the rumors I'm here. I, you, 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 you might be onto something. Yeah, exactly, man. And Camaro uh, is already at that point. I think it usually happens to a lot of these champions too. Where uh, remember when Benson Henderson was talking about, yeah, I got two more fights left and I'm retiring. Um, Jose Aldo was saying that too at 145. I have a couple more fights left, and then they end up losing the belt, and then they keep they stay in. Camaro uh, was already talking about, yeah, I got one or two more fights left. Uh, I want big money fights. And then all of a sudden, it's like a bad omen where you end up losing the belt. And it just bad luck happens to you type thing like that. And whenever these guys start bringing that up. And for Usman, you know, you have a movie that he's about to play in now. So I don't know how long that long layoff is going to be. He just got knocked out really bad. You said he had a couple of hand injuries. I know he's always had knee injuries. So for if I'm Leon, it's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight in London, blah, blah blah. If he's not ready for London, then give me somebody else. So and Masvidal still has that McGregor uh aura about him where he no matter who it is, McGregor can come and get a title shot right away because they know he's gonna sell uh, a million pay-per-views. I think it's gonna be the same way with Masvidal where he may have lost three in a row, but him and Leon will sell. People are still gonna buy him. Uh, whether he wins or loses, the fans are st- his fans are still going to be there, and they're still going to buy the pay per view. And I just know, man. I just it's going to be tr- it's going to be terrible, but I just know it's going to happen. Yeah. Now I know this is an impossible question for you to answer personally, Bilal, because if I would ask you this question a year and a half ago, I think I'd get a different answer because it looked like again we truly believed that you should have gotten that fight with Leon again. So I don't want to turn this into just that conversation, but. In your heart of hearts, do you think you'll ever see Leon Edwards again? In, in, in your like, I know it's impossible to say for sure because weird things happen. But in your head right now, do you think you'll ever see Leon Edwards again? Uh, it it all depends. Uh, I think that if if he fights Masvidal, he'll probably keep that belt for one or two more fights. But if he fights Masvidal, then they give it to Usman. The next fight after that, then I think it's going to end up being Usman's going to be the champion. Like it has to be the point where I'm next in line because I think that whoever Leon fights next, if it's somebody like me, Kamza, or uh, you know Gilbert Burns, he's going to lose the belt and I won't see him. 
uh, again because I think I'm going to have to fight the, after this fight. I think I'm going to fight the champion next. And I think that he won't be holding the belt unless he fights a Masvidal next. Or honestly, I know him and McGregor are the same management group, but I could see that one happening too for some reason. Like I could see them, McGregor, oh, you know, I want to fight at 170, blah, blah, blah. And Leon's probably the only person at 170 he could be because of, it'll be a striking match. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong about that. And, and on the flip side, you know, in your own situation, Bilal, like, you know, when the fight with Sean Brady got announced, I'm like, I like the matchup and I like your willingness because you're not a guy who turned down who, who turns down fights. I mean, you were the guy calling out Hamzat when no one was calling out Hamzat besides Neil Magny. You always want to give credit to Neil. Neil's always willing to step up, but you were the only other guy. This is in in theory. This is not a knock on Sean Brady in any way, shape, or form. This is a step down for you. You're going from Vicente Luque, who was number five, number six in the world. You got in that top five. You're taking a step down to fight Sean Brady, who's the guy behind you in the rankings. Now, again, credit where credit's due. He's looked great. He's undefeated. I think people should be talking about him more, considering what he's done. Um, but why? Like, why? Because, like, I thought once everything played out, my thought was, well, probably you and Gilbert would make the most sense because he's still high ranked and, and, and you were high ranked and, you know, kind of the only guys. You, we knew you weren't going to get Colby. Let's be honest. That was never going to be an option, especially with him having brain damage, apparently, from the uh, from the George Masvidal incident. Um, we knew the Colby fight wasn't going to happen. I just knew that wasn't going to happen. Uh why shot like why were you willing because we got to be honest Bilal, a lot of guys wouldn't do this a lot of guys would say no i'll wait i'll sit i'll do this i'll do that you took this fight you're traveling all the way to abu dhabi to do it yeah i mean honestly it was uh it was a process because i was sitting there like well kamzat's not booked why am i not fighting hamza that's the only that makes the most sense in the world because at the time it was all right we're the only two guys in the top five that, that haven't fought tomorrow yet where you're you're hyping him up. I'm I was trying to cut Kamza fight before the Luke fight. I was like, bro, let me fight Kamza. Even the Wonder Boy fight, I was like, let me fight Kamza. And they just kept brushing it off, brushing it off. And I was like, oh well, okay, I just beat number five in the world. He beat uh Gilbert, number three in the world. This makes the most sense. We're the only two guys. So I I thought that was gonna happen. And then the whole time they're telling me I'm calling the manager. Well, they said that you know he's having beast issues, he's not gonna fight. The oh, he's having beast issues, he's not gonna be fighting. Then I, you hear the, then you started hearing the rumors of him and Nate Diaz, and I'm like, how does that make any sense? And then my manager is like, oh no, you know, I'm like, they haven't booked him and Nate Diaz yet, so I'm like, I'm not gonna accept this. And all of a sudden, you see Tom, uh, Sean Brady calling me out on Twitter, and I'm like, all right, I'm not even gonna give this guy attention. But you know, the Southside Chicago comes out of you where you're like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm gonna start responding to him, and we we're supposed to fight before, so when he's saying stupid stuff like you're running for me, I'm like didn't you pull out of the first fight then he has like a some weird loser manager on there starting to tweet out and the then you start, start getting the like the trashy people from philly commenting on all my posts you're scared blah 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 you're scared and i'm like all right these guys are straight up losers but i was like you know i'm, I'm gonna wait for comms out or gilbert and then you see gilbert and masvidal talking about fighting each other and obviously if you're gilbert masvidal is a money fight it is a way easier fight than i am so I was like, okay, that's getting attention now. So that's getting annoying. So I'm like, well, me and Kamza still makes the most sense because they still didn't book that Nate Diaz fight. And then my manager called me. He's like, oh, I, I want to get you in Abu Dhabi. The, the UFC wants to put you down there. It, it'll be huge for you. Uh, and last time I fought there, it was amazing. The fans were great over there. And that was like four years ago. So I've always wanted to go back, uh, especially now. And then, you know, they sold me on Abu Dhabi. But then I was like, okay, well, me against Kamza there, that make, that'll be huge. 
oh, no, Kamzat's still having issues. We're, we're dealing with some stuff with him. He's not going to fight. And uh, all they have right now is Sean Brady. That's the only one that they have right now. And I'm like, obviously, that's the one that the UFC is trying to push on me. This, this, and this. They think uh, you, he has hype, obviously, in the MMA community where a lot of guys are, oh, he's 15 and 0. Fans, like you said, don't really know who he is, but the MMA community knows who he is. He has hype from fighters. Um, so I understand that 15 and 0. This is a guy I could take his uh, oath from him. He's a guy that the, the UFC thinks can be a champion. So if I go out there, I walk through him. I'm like, I'm not afraid to fight anybody. If I think I could be a champion, I have to go through everybody. And then I figure that, all right, well, I'll take it. Let's go. I want to fight in Abu Dhabi. I don't want to sit out. I don't want to wait till next year and see how it plays out because then I'll just be sitting on the sidelines. And when I'm healthy and I'm, I'm able to fight, I want to fight. I want to stay active. I'm at my best when it, I'm getting multiple fights a year and I hate being a guy that sits out because you never know how something's going to happen. Especially if I was sitting out right now and I was like, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Then this thing ended up happening where Kamaru did lose the title. Then they have to do the rematch. So then eventually I would have to sit again and wait for another guy to fight. So uh, I was like, all right, well, he has hype. He has this, he has that. Let me go out there, take his oath from him. And then these, I can't be denied. I feel like I feel, I feel like after this fight, there shouldn't be anybody else, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Was there a weirder scenario in the world? Listen, again, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Sean Brady, but you should be fighting Hamza. Like, that's the one that should have happened. And Hamza and Nate Diaz has got to be one of the three weirdest fight bookings in, like, UFC history, especially with Dana saying Hamza gets a title shot by beating Nate Diaz. Now, you and I both know this is Dana saying things to hype the fight. Come on, let's be honest, because like, there's a reason why no one is talking about this fight, because no one sees it as a competitive fight. I like Nate Diaz very much. I think he's a, a warrior, been around, fought everybody. We know Nate Diaz does not back down from a challenge. He is, but he's not a welterweight. He's just not. I still have a vision. I was at the fight. I remember when he fought Rory McDonald, and Rory was like launching him across the cage with takedowns because he's just not a welterweight. So this has got to be one of the like weirdest. And I know what we all know what they're doing. They're trying to send Diaz out on a loss. It's his last fight. Give him a lopsided opponent. I get it. We all understand what's going on here, but it's the weirdest bit of matchmaking when you've been asking for the Hamzad fight. And now in Hamzad has a legit win. Now he has a legit win over Gilbert Burns. That is a legitimate good win. You and him made the most sense. And like, if you beat Sean Brady, and Hamza beats Nate, which I believe he will. Like, that's the only other fight that would happen, right? Like, you and Hamza, come on. Like, they, come on. Like, there's no, like, it just drives me nuts that that's not the one that's happening. It's not a knock on Sean Brady, and it's not a knock on Nate Diaz. It's just the nature of matchmaking on this one frustrates me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it literally made no sense at all. And, I mean, you could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to give Hamza an easy fight, honestly, to let him win. And then, bam, you have... Kamaru Usman, who's untouchable. You have Kamzat, who's been untouchable. And then you try to sell that uh, fight. Uh, now that Leon won, it changes everything because now there's no, there's not an untouchable champion. Leon showed that he was definitely beatable in that, in that fight. And I think that you, there's no selling point for him. For Kamaru, was, he's untouchable. He's a power found king. He's the GOAT. Yada, yada, yada. So, and that's how I feel like the UFC was trying to sell the even fight week where, well, he, this is the second time walking through everybody in the division. I'm like, wait, he hasn't fought me yet. He hasn't fought Kanza yet. He didn't fight Wonderboy or uh, Luke. And they were, those were two guys that they were trying to say would, would give him a challenge. But I think that, you know, obviously Kamaru is great. He's a great champion. But 
he wasn't very like like the fans really didn't fall into him or or, or uh, uh, navigate toward him. He wasn't a, a huge draw, so they had to push him as this untouchable guy. And then they would give him this Kamzat who's untouchable, and that all falls through now. So uh, yeah, like after this fight, Kamzat's the only one that makes sense for me or the champion. And I think that it'll end up being something like that because especially if they do the rematch or they do a Mazdaoff fight next, there'll still be two more fights that Leon potentially has before he'll defend against either me or, uh, or Hamza. And like I said, I'm a guy that wants to stay active, stay busy. But if I go out there and I start Sean Brady, a guy that's 15 and 0, I'll be on the, I'm already on the second longest winning streak in the division right now since uh, Kamara lost nine fight winning streak. Like, I feel like I, I can't be denied, but you know, the, there's no telling what'll happen. And I, me and Leon have history. Like you said, we have that. There's a selling point with that. Um, but yeah, before this fight, me and Kamzat, we've gone back and forth on Twitter. We've talked, we've engaged with each other on Twitter. Like it made the most sense to me, uh, but obviously it didn't make no sense to the UFC. Yeah, it did make sense to me at all that that didn't happen. And I think that, Listen, I don't think they're protecting Hamzat at this point because you don't give him a guy like Gilbert Burns, but I think they're trying to send Nate Diaz out on a they're trying to send Nate, Nate Diaz out on a loss. But the idea that Hamzat would earn a title shot off beating Nate Diaz is laughable to me. And that's not a knock on Nate Diaz. That's just the reality of the situation. So if you're not getting the title shot, which again, it's unfortunate the way this thing played out. Again, it's not Leon, you know, Leon Edwards, you know, credit to him for getting the win. But uh if you're not gonna get the title shot with the win over Sean Brady, it better be Hamzad. That's the only other one that would even make any any remote sense yeah exactly and like you like i said i don't want to sit there and try to look too far ahead i'm not a guy that does that because john brady's a tough test so like i want to just focus on him and let us see how let's see how it plays out with uh, these other guys in the next couple months but yeah i just already know that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this division and yeah like i mean even like you said i don't think there's a lot of guys in the ufc now that nate diaz could have been like I feel like if they would have given Poirier, he would have went out on a loss. If they would have given him Chandler, he would have probably went out on a loss. So the Kamzat thing was more so I feel like they wanted to guarantee Kamzat a win, so then they could give him the title shot next. Because if he fights me, I'm a tough matchup for him. And they showed that uh, even in that Gilbert fight where the fourth and fifth round, he's gonna slow down against anybody. Uh, so I think they wanted to make sure. All right, let's secure him a, a, a for sure victory. So then we could definitely get that Usman fight. We'll get some of Nate Diaz's fans. You know, the stars are always going to watch Nate Diaz. So you have NBA guys and what you call it guys watching. And they'll be tweeting out about, man, who's this Russian guy that just picked up Nate Diaz, walked into the corner as he's talking to Dana White, having a conversation, and then slams him on his head. It's going to be one of those things. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, real quick, Bilal, before I get you out of here, you know, you are uh, – you, we talked about your own podcast, of course, which is an incredible podcast, but you have become – a bit of a, a social media star as well. You have no problem clapping back at people when they say dumb things to you on the internet, which always cracks me up. But I know you had a good clap back on Conor McGregor on Saturday night when he tried to put up the laughing emoji when you said unfinished business, obviously with the Leon Edwards fight. And you clap back at him, which I did. I did get a good chuckle at that. That was well done. But one thing I want to bring up to you real quick. When Kamaru lost on Saturday night, we had so many negative reactions, and Conor was tweeting about it. And the other one I want to talk about is Jake Paul was tweeting about it. You know, tweeting out photos of him down. Now, I Connor is Connor and and Connor's done great things. Let's be honest about that. I don't understand why you would celebrate a guy losing 
when you when people were celebrating you breaking your leg like that to me seems really like a bad idea to celebrate another guy's loss when you just went through something terrible yourself after you got knocked out prior to that but Jake Paul was the one that really bugged me because like I didn't I I wish I had tweeted it that night but I just I didn't want to start a firestorm of people like you know going back I just I wasn't in the mood for it but what I would say to Jake Paul is this when you've done one one thousandth of what Kamar Usman has done in his career go ahead and talk You've done nothing, buddy. Okay, you've done nothing to to earn the right to say anything about Kamaru Usman or Luke Rockhold for that matter. He was also clapping on Luke Rockhold. You've done nothing. You are five and zero against a basketball player, a guy who can't box, and 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 and, and a guy and a guy who is an incredible UFC fighter, but he's a wrestler who is not a boxer, and he's also 15, 20 pounds less than you. Stop talking about Kamar Usman. Stop talking about Luke Rockhold. When you've done anything remotely close to what they've done, maybe you can chat. But that one, I mean, to be honest, Bilal, it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, when you're seeing guys like that, and even kind of McGregor, where you're like, you you know how it feels to lose in a championship fight. You know how it feels to lose in front of your family, man. Just seeing Usman's daughter there and how she broke down is like, it's heartbreaking and you know what it takes to get in there. Uh, if you're a kind of regular, but if you're Jake Paul, you don't know what it is to be in there. You don't know what it takes to get in there. So these guys that kick a guy when they're down, it just shows what kind of person they are. They're, uh, they're just looking for that attention. Conor McGregor is looking for that attention. Jake Paul is looking for that attention. Jake Paul is just trying to change the narrative. He's a guy that, Oh, I, I could sell a million pay-per-views, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this guy didn't want to fight me at one eighty-five, So his, his whole show got canceled because he wasn't the biggest draw as he thinks he is. And it, it didn't sell out. I, I think it was the ticket sales that were out. He'd come up with any excuse he wants. But it just shows that this guy's a straight-up loser. And the fact that he's kicking a guy down when he's down like that, <laughs> it tells more. It tells you more about them. But it's that's the world we live in now. We live in the troll world. We live in the Twitter world where all these people think they can say whatever they want because they're not in front of you and they know that nothing will happen to them. And it just gives other people, other trolls, other losers, kids nowadays will create fake accounts where they, they say the stupidest things to somebody and there's a million memes of him getting knocked out, bro. And it's like, karma always comes back to you. It, it, it's going to come back to all these people. Uh, and especially a guy like Conor McGregor, who literally you haven't won a fight in five years. All you do is tweet when a big fight card is coming on because you can have all the money in the world, but you don't have any attention anymore. And that's what you crave the most. You don't have no... You don't have anybody screaming your name anymore, and that's what you want the most. So it just shows it's kind of pathetic where these guys are now. Like, you have all the money in the world. What are you still tweeting about? Like, why are you still trying to be involved in this game? Kamara would murder you if you guys fought, and you know that. So you're just going to stay on the sidelines and, and be a troll, a, a person that, like, the trolls are known as these freaking losers that are sitting on their couch or mom's basement that they get a reaction out of you and that like that's their goal for the day is to get some sort of reaction or some sort of laugh and they think they won a gold medal. That's what Conor McGregor is now. That's what Jake Paul is now. It's it's pathetic. Yeah, it's it it really irritates me. And like I said, I think in a way you're right. Conor's worse because Conor's been there. He knows what it's like to go through an awful loss and have people mock you and and you know, remember when he lost to Nate Diaz and everyone said, Well, see, he was overrated, he was never as good as he we all thought he was and all these kind of things and the broken leg, same kind of thing. Like that's terrible. Like I don't ever think you should revel in somebody else's misery. Like I've never understood that. Uh, that mentality like you know because like my heart broke for it like I was legitimately happy for Leon like he went through a lot to get there legitimately happy the guy went out there 
pulled off the comeback, got the win. But I was also legitimately heartbroken for Kamaru because it was such a hard situation for him to win the fight, win the fight, and then, you know, have the crazy knockout. But I've never understood that mentality. Like, that is like you're trying to stand on the shoulder of Giants because you can't do what they've done. Like, that just drives me insane. And, and you're right, Connor might be worse than Jake Paul because Connor's been there. That, you know, like Jake Paul's a professional troll. That's what he is. That's how he got famous. Connor is a fighter. Connor's been there. Connor knows what it's like to go out and get knocked out and, and have everyone in the world telling you you suck and you were never as good as you thought you were and all these kind of things. You're right. That's probably worse because uh, th that's one guy as big as he is. And, and Connor's a star. We all know that. But that's the one guy who shouldn't be who should never revel in somebody else's downfall because he's he's you know you're right he's gone through a lot like that's the last guy who should be talking on on kamar usman yeah exactly like you've been in there you felt it and i'm always a guy that i'll never like share somebody getting knocked out or like i've i've had my altercations with sean strickland and then seeing him get knocked out everybody's like oh they'll tag me and stuff and videos of him getting knocked out i'm like bro i'm not i'm, I'm never gonna share that because like i said i know what it takes to get in there he may be the biggest loser in the world but like, still, you, you know, he put, he works hard and you know that you could, you could act this tough way and act like you don't care about wins and losses or anything. But when you lose a fight, when you lose in front of your family, when you lose it on TV in that way, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's the highest highs and the lowest lows. And in this world nowadays where, you know, mental mentality and there's so many like people out here depressed and things like that, like. You never know what somebody's going through. Like they'll have a smile on their face, but behind the scenes in their own head, there's probably some crazy stuff going on. And especially when you lose a fight, there's always that, man, you go to a grocery store, you go anywhere. Like you don't want to be around people. You don't want people to, you're thinking that every single person is talking about you, whether even with your family and friends, like you'll know who's really true, who's, who's really with you after a loss, because that's when all the other people go away. They don't want to talk to him or like after a win, oh, that's my cousin. I know that guy, blah, blah, blah. This is my dude. And after a loss, like those people don't message you. Those people don't know who you are. They don't, they don't post about you. They don't ask how you're doing. How's your mentality right now? Um, and it's just you at yourself, you in your own head. And you're just thinking about that loss. You're thinking about what I could have did. Uh, what did I do wrong? Why did God do this to me? Why did God treat me this way? And uh, I just know that, I know what Kamaru is going through right now. And I just hope that he has the right people around him, family around him and uh, just mentally gets through this. How would a fight between you and Conor McGregor go? <laughs> I, 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 I would dominate him so easily. I would, I would literally pull the, put my hands behind the back thing because that's a fight that I would, I would definitely want. And I don't think he would, there's no possible way that he would ever get on the cage with me. Yeah, I talked to Gilbert Burns about this, and Gilbert's like, it just wouldn't be fair. Like, he's like, it just wouldn't him, – him against any of the top five, six welterweights just wouldn't be a fair fight. Like, there might be welterweights he could beat, but there won't be a top, like, five or six. And I like – I want to be clear. I like Connor. I actually really like – Connor's always been incredibly nice to me, incredibly good to me. I always bring up this story when I lost – when I got laid off my old job – uh, when they fired all the writers of my old job, Connor was one of the first people to reach out to me and say, man, that really sucks. Like, I, I hate they did that to you. And I'm like, wow, that means a lot. Like, Connor McGregor would reach out. So I have, I like Connor very, very much. Uh, but yeah, like I've said, and he got mad at me. He got mad at me when I said on Twitter a few months ago, I said he's not a welterweight. Like, he's just not. Like, I don't, it's not a knock on Connor. That's like, I, I, don't, I don't see how that's an insult. Like, that's just like me saying, like, 
yeah, I don't think like, you know, certain people just aren't built like for a weight class. Like, you know, like I love, I love Kamara was willing to go to light heavyweight. He's not really a light heavyweight though. Like that's no one's going to say he's really a light heavyweight. Uh, yeah. Connor's not a welterweight. He's just not, he's not a welterweight. Exactly. There's, there's weight classes for a reason. Like, and especially the top five in the welterweights when your weakness is grappling, your weakness is wrestling. Everybody in the top five is a grappler is a wrestler. Uh, honestly, I see now that um, Tony Ferguson moved up to 170. I can see if he gets a victory somehow over Lee Jingliang, I could see Connor against him maybe. Uh, that could probably be the only one that really would make sense. But anybody else in the welterweight division, uh, there's no chance of, for him. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, you know, there's two sides. Like I said, the way this whole thing played out, it's unfortunate in a lot of ways because, again, I think you should be. One went away. And I know, by the way, we did a story. You probably remember this years ago when you were going to Abu Dhabi the first time. We did a big story on that because I know how much it meant to you to fight over there and, and actually get a chance. So I know this is cool for you to go back to Abu Dhabi, have a big fight against Sean Brady on what is going to be a massive card. Let's be honest. This is a massive pay-per-view. So it's a really cool opportunity. But it should have been a title eliminator. Unfortunately, we don't know if that's the way it's going to play out. But I know you're a workman, Bilal. I know you're going to go out there and beat Sean Brady the same way, whether Leon won, Kamara won, Hamza won. You're going to go out there and do your thing. And uh, listen, you you said earlier, one thing you can take a little bit of inspiration from Leon Edwards, like he just he had to keep plugging through and a lot of bad things happened, the whole pandemic thing and losing the Woodley fight, and he still ended up getting his title shot. You'll get there. You know you'll get there. Maybe a little bit longer road now, but you know you're going to get there. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm not one of those guys that that sits there and stresses about it or has anxiety about it. I just know that there's everybody has their plan. Everybody has their route to, to get to a title shot. Everybody has their their plan, their story, however they're gonna write it. And I want my story to be written down as a guy that never turned down a fight, a guy that stood in there with the best of the best and beat the best of the best when they thought he would lose every single one of those fights. And uh it's definitely gonna end with gold being around my waist. And beyond that, you're also coach of the year. So, you know, you got that going for you too. I, I text you, I text you that right after the, the Mearshart fight. I was like, so now you're coach of the year too? Like winning fights isn't enough? You gotta be coach of the year too? <laughs> Bro, yeah, man. My coaching record is really good. For for 20 fights though, I, I've had Lewis Taylor. Uh and you know, it's easier when you have a guy like that who just finishes everybody in the first round, but uh, it's cool to be in uh, the corners of the guys in the UFC now. Uh, I'm 4-0 in the UFC as a coach, so it's it's cool. And it's just see my boys that, you know, they they want me to be in the corner. They they see value in having me down there with them. So it's always great, especially uh, a guy like Gerald, who's literally taught me so much. And he's a genius. And to see him fight and perform exactly like I know that he could and to be the guy in Bruno Silva who they thought was going to walk through him, it's always great seeing uh, him get a finish over these guys. Absolutely. Well, Bilal, it's always a pleasure and an honor to speak to you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time right after the fights to talk with me. Uh, have a great rest of your training camp. Uh, when are you going to, are you flying over early to go to Abu Dhabi or when are you going over? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I should be going uh, a couple weeks earlier down there to get acclimated to the time zone and everything like that. But uh, yeah, camp's already in full effect, going going hard already. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and put the bug in your right now. You go over when you fly home. First interview, right? Like, I get the first one, right? After another one. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making, making sure, just making sure. Outside of, outside of your own podcast, of course. You got to do your own podcast. But outside of that, when you fly home, first interview. Uh, first year, my brother. Bilal, it is always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Have a great rest of your training camp. Uh, I have safe travels over to, over to Abu Dhabi. I'm sure we'll probably talk before then. But I uh, appreciate you always doing the show. And we'll talk soon, okay? For sure. Thank you, my brother. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, bro. Bye-bye.
A big thank you, as always, to the great Bilal Muhammad for coming on the show. I always appreciate him. Great insight on the fights. Of course, he was there cage side, so of course it worked out really, really well to have him on after the uh, craziness at UFC 278. A lot of we didn't get a chance to talk about because the welterweight situation, of course, personally affects him. But Luke Rockhold, retiring legend. Of course, I had you know interview with Luke before his fight. Always loved Luke. Um, incredibly good dude. I always enjoyed being around Luke. Always had fun interviews with Luke. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again, you know, in the near future, but, uh, you know, a huge career and accomplishment, a credit to Paulo Costa for pulling off a big win, uh, Marab Dewalishvili, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, pulled off a big win over Jose Aldo. So fun card, weird card, uh, elevation card, <laughs> altitude card, lots to talk about with that one, but a big thank you to Bilal Muhammad for coming on, breaking down things with me. I always appreciate him and taking the time for me. Uh, he's a legend and a great analyst on top of everything else and credit and on top of being one of the best welterweights and uh, now one of the coaches uh, of the year. So a big thank you to Bilal. Uh, we'll be back next week for more uh, fighter versus writer. Uh, of course, we're leading into the UFC's return, which will be in Paris on my birthday of all times, actually happening on my birthday. Uh, so that should be a fun card coming up between Surreal Gone and Taito Ivasa and uh, plenty more coming with the show. So appreciate everyone that tunes in each and every week. Make sure you check out all your all the podcast platforms for the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course over on MMAfighting.com. Thanks again to Bilal Muhammad for doing the show this week. We appreciate everyone tuning in to another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. We'll see you next week. See you then. Vox Media Podcast Network.